This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Tell me when you're ready. I'm ready. Okay, gang. Um, first of all, welcome everyone to the Keratoni Shabbaton, the only Shabbos like it in the entire world. We've got uh, a it's a historic event, really. Even though this is the seventh time we've done this, it's historic in that it's, uh, there's never really been a Hasidic Shabbaton for couples. It, doesn't, it just never existed. And so meanwhile, while we watch our generation unravel, I don't know if you all noticed, but our generation's completely unraveling, especially the teenagers. But, you know, they say kids are risk, it's really adults are risk. The, um, as, as this generation unravels, the... Uh, graduates of my seminar at the Possible You got together. All this whole Shabbaton is put together by the graduates of the Possible You and their wives, who are also all graduates of the Possible You. So they got together. As, you know what the Possible You is? It's a it's a seminar in personal growth that I've been running for um, since 2001. What is this? 2018? 17 years? I've been running a seminar for 17 years with over 5,000 graduates and. So what happened was a bunch of Hasidic graduates and their wives got together and said, what are we going to do for Am Yisrael? And they created this, Shabbos Kerftani. And uh, anyone here first-timers, Shabbos Kerftani? Y'all first-timers? Uh, you're, you're just not going to believe it. I, every teacher is going into like the real the stuff, and especially on Shabbos where no one can record. <laughs> you're going to hear stuff. Your ears are going to catch on fire. Meaning we're talking about everything that no one's allowed to talk about. And because we want to heal, heal our people. And if the, if the Frumas people are, are, are not whole, so then it, it goes down from there. You know, it's, uh, the, everyone's holding on to someone else. You know, the, and, the, and so really, in a way, we're at the top of the chain of holding everybody up. But if we've got problems, so then everybody's got problems. And therefore, we, uh, we're here to heal that. So today's session, what we'll be doing is, is quite simple, nothing so complex. It's just, um, the, but, but often confused, which is classic human beings, that we confuse the simple stuff. And that is that, that you exist in two dimensions. You always exist in two dimensions. Those two dimensions are doing and being. Doing and being. You're always doing something. Every one of us right now is doing something. You're always doing something. And then there's a being, which is a little more obscure. That's more difficult for us to understand, so we'll have to get into that. So I'll test you right now on doing, and then I'll test you on being. You'll see you're going to get an A-plus on doing, and on being, I don't know what you're going to score. Okay? So let's practice. What are you doing? Someone raise their hand tell me what you're doing. You, in the front. Listening, good. What are you doing? Okay, sitting, listening. Great. And I, I'm going to get an A+, plus too. I'm standing and talking. Okay. You're sitting, listening. He's filming. Rachamim Segev is filming. I'm standing and talking. Okay. Good. We got the doing part, and we all passed. Okay, you ready for your next test? Ready for the next test? Who are you being? 
Not too many people raising their hands for that. I mean, you know you're a human being. You know you got a being. You definitely have a being. You're a human being. The human part is, you know, the part you can put in an MRI. The human part shows up in x-ray. The human part's the part sitting here. Think about it. The human part, scientifically, if we had some, you know, biologist here, he would show you the human part of you. But you're not called a human. You're called a human being. And we all know there's a, there's a certain being. In fact, what's amazing, and you don't know this, but this is something unique to Hasidim, is they say, where are you being? I love it. People ask, where are you being for Shabbos? It's, like, it's such a deep question. Where am I being? Like as if my being has a location? <laughs> I mean, I can tell you where my body's going to be. But it's, it's always, where are you being? And where are you guys being for vacation? And, and the, you should know, that's not English. <laughs> this is a Hasidic mistake. That's the best mistake ever. Because what's more important, the, the flesh or the being? Which more important, your flesh or your being? The being. The being's everything. I mean, your being's no good. So no matter all, you, you know, when our being isn't good, all the doing in the world doesn't help. Right? Haven't we all been in a situation where I've got what I need, I've got everything I need, and I'm still not happy? And so you see that doing, when you've got all your doing worked out, it doesn't necessarily help your being. In fact, you could even say the opposite. You could say there's probably more people who are successful in the doing world suffering depression than people who are doing not so good, but they're being super strong. Like they've got powerful being. Their being is powerful. Okay. Their doing's on the weak side. That's not a depressed person. Because if you're being strong, if the being of you is doing well, it's healthy. Like you have healthy being. So then, whatever you're doing is, uh, if you're being strong, whatever you're doing is, is uh, you know, it's, it's icing on the cake. Icing on the cake. You'll see even this week's Parsham, in, it says... Uh, if you go after my chukim, so you're like waiting for the big reward. It doesn't say much. There'll be shalom. You'll have shalom. You'll have what to eat. Like that's basically what it says. I'll protect you from your enemies. It's like, where's the Lexus? You know? Where's the Luxus? Where's the Lexus? Where's the Jacuzzi? Where's the, where are all the things that we're going to be doing? No, it just says like, you do a million mitzvahs, like, it's like, makes it sound small, like, im bechu seilechu, you know, so everything's going to be fine. But it's like, you know, we're talking, if we, we counted once in my yeshiva, we counted how many halachas are in the Rambam, you know, meaning Taryag, how many actual halachas are. I love asking the kids in Israel, like, you know, I get tour groups over there, and when I teach at Eshet Torah, so I say, tell me, how many laws are there in the Torah? So they always say, um, they always say 613, like that much they know. You know, I'm not talking about from kids. That much they know, 613, I say, 613. It's 613 hyperlinks. You guys know what a hyperlink is? When you're on the web, you click on a hyperlink. It's 613 hyperlinks. You click on the hyperlink, it takes you to another website. And on that website, you can just scroll down the, the uh, you can tape down the scroll button. Because it's, your finger will get sore. You know, think about scrolling down... Uh, Hilchas Shabbos. You know, the word malacha, you know, just scroll down on that. You'll be, you'll be there for an hour. So, 
So, if you go do all my halachas, you get to be, you'll eat. Thank you very much. Which shows you that it's all about the being. The bracha that we really get for the doing is shalom. Shalom. It says you'll have shalom. If you look right there in the first pasukim, you'll have shalom. And if you have shalom, what is shalom? A state of doing or being? Shalom, doing or being? Pure being. It's pure being. I mean, when you have little kids, you're like, mach shalom. <laughs> that's, that's doing. <laughs> that's doing. But for us as adults, shalom is being. It's one of the great, great goals of being is, is shalom. We say it every Shabbos on Mincha. Every Shabbos on Mincha we say, we say, uh, I don't know, you ladies down Mincha Shabbos? Yeah? So we say, Minuchas Shalom, Vishalva, tranquility. Shalva. Can you please sit closer? Can you please sit closer so I don't have to scream? I just, I got a whole Shabbos of, of uh, Torah. Thank you so much. Oh, you, you're going to warm it up in here a bit? Thank you, my holy friend. And I, I, I want to acknowledge you at the beginning of this weekend for everything you're going to do that we'll know about and everything we won't know about. So, so there's um, Shalom, the Shalva, Hashket. It's a state of quiet. How many of us are in a state of quiet? <laughs> Good luck. You know, we're the worst when it comes to quiet. You know, because if you look at it, like, in the moment, you can always be in quiet, right? In the moment. Like, right now, you're in this moment. Can you be in quiet? Yeah. And if you see your kids making a balagan, but Lamaisa, you're right now doing something else. You're either reading, or you're working, or you're cooking, or you're cleaning, whatever you're doing. But they're making a balagan. Are you okay right now? Yeah. You're okay. Kids are making a balagan, but you're okay. What is the lack of quiet in our lives? So look at my arm. I'll teach you a little trick. See my elbow? My elbow's, let's say, that's now. Because always now I'm fine. And this is the future. Now, we have a lot of stuff coming up in the future. We've got a lot of stuff, places we've got to be. You know, there might be simchas. There might be all kinds of stuff we're going to be dealing with going into the future. Let's say this is half a year. Now, what happens is human beings, we're the only ones who do this. No, no one's uh, dog is going to do this. And certainly our fish and our fish tank aren't doing this. Is we are going to project ourselves mentally into the future of all the stuff we got to do, right? we got a lot to get done. But what happens? You see, in the moment, I can deal with anything. But what humans do is we project in the future. So let me show you what that looks like. <laughs> like, it's like, it's like if this is covered in bricks, you know? You know they have these dump trucks covered in sand, you know, and then they lift it and it all comes pouring out? So we, we're going like this most of the time. Is a, now, can you deal with your whole future now? Can you? You can't deal with your whole future now. And that's why we don't have hashket. Hashket means I'm quiet. I have an inner quiet. Meaning I'm, I'm not projecting into the future. What's the term for projection into the future? In Lashon Chazal, it's called Tsaras Machar. Tsaras Machar. You ever heard that? And a lot of people don't know that. It's called Suras Machar in Lashon Chazal. It's Sarah of throwing your brain into f- tomorrow. It's a it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a it's, So what's the term in English? Anxiety. 
the more you dial into now and let the future be what it, you know, you've got to plan for it, but you let it be where it is and you stay in the moment, you're going to be in a state of hashkent, which is another state of being. And then the last one is betach. Shalom v'shalva, hashkent v'vetach. Vetach is a state of being. State of being, it's called security, bitachon. But bitachon is something you have to have. Betach, hashkid vetach. Vetach is something that person with bitachon experiences in the being. Now, let's go back to it. So you got your doing and you got your being. And what most people do is they do, 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 do in order to be. They think doing leads to being. Yeah? Yeah? They think doing leads to being. But yet you look around and you see billions of people doing and doing and doing and doing and doing. And it never makes a being. It doesn't work. It might work temporarily here and there. I mean, certainly if all of us decided what we're going to do today is, is you know, sit on a beach in a lounge chair so that we can relax. I have a feeling we're all going to relax and we'll be in a state of relaxation. We'll be in a state of, you know, shalom at some point during the time on the beach. It's not that it never works. If you give, let's say you're stingy, your being is I'm a stingy person, but you just keep giving, stucca, and giving, and giving, you force yourself to give. Is it going to lead eventually to more generosity? Yes or no? For sure it will. Right? It's going to work. So it's not that doing won't lead to being in some aspect. If someone watches their diet and watches their diet and watches their diet and watches their diet, are they eventually going to be someone who has you know, self-esteem as a, as a person in shape eventually? Yes? For sure. If someone is a late-nighter, what I call a night owl, and they're, and they're either waking up as zombies or they're sleeping in, but each night... They do something. What do they do? They go to bed a little earlier, a little earlier each night, a little earlier, get up a little earlier, get up a little earlier. Will they eventually be someone who's in the state of being, of, of, uh, of uh, functional, um, accomplishing, like that kind of a feeling inside of their being? Yeah, it'll work. But check this out. Listen carefully. What I'm about to say is now I'm going to drop the bomb on the class. You ready? When it comes to stinginess, laziness, eating, sleeping, laying on the sand on the beach, those kinds of things, doing helps the being or fixes the being. But guess what? There is a whole other category of being that all the doing in the world will never help, but the opposite. The doing will actually lock in the being that the doing was supposed to fix. This is the bomb. Ready? Listen carefully. This is the bomb of the class. I'll say it again. There are things that doing fixes. We just mentioned about five of them. But when it comes to the deeper, heavy stuff inside of us, the real deep lack of being, that we do and do and do and do and do in order to fix that being. Not only will it never fix the being, but it will lock it in forever. 
What kind of being does doing lock in forever? And so the answer is, and it's very important for those of you who have the maturity in this room right now, the emotional maturity, to hear this for yourself, I suggest listening very carefully right now. If you're one of the people who lacks the emotional maturity to hear this for yourself, so this is a great chance right now to understand your children. It's a lot easier to work on other people. When <laughs> I, once had a, I once had a group of like, you know, massive Talmudic Chachamim to do some very deep work. And I, I figured, well, great, massive Talmudic Chachamim, let's go into the deep stuff. The, after about an hour and a half, they pulled me aside and said, they're like, Rabbi, we don't understand anything you're saying. So I came back, we took, that was during our break. I came back from the break, I made everything about their Talmudim. And suddenly they understood everything perfectly. <laughs> when we grew up as little kids, not when we were toddlers, but maybe from three years old on till about 11, from three years old till about 11, you were a sponge. Everything that happened out there was somehow happening in here. This is why we try to protect our kids from seeing too much, because we know they're gonna, this is going to be about them, even though it's not about them, but for them, it's going to be about them. And you know if your kid gets embarrassed in school, who's it about? It's for sure about them. They're the ones who got embarrassed. Or they're scared because they keep hearing mommy and tati talking about there not being enough money. And is that about the family's finance or is it about the kid? Which is it about? It's about the kid. What might be, this will be a good test for you guys, what might be the, the being of a kid whose parents are always talking about uh, scarcity, a lack of funds, lack of money? What might be the being, yeah? What? That's a feeling. I'm talking about being right now. They'll definitely be anxious. What? No. Might be something like, what? Insecure, good. That's also a bit of a feeling. So yeah, I'm being tough here. Because this is what I do. I train people. So if, like, if I... You like it? What? You... Yeah, what's the state of being of a child growing up in a home whose parents are often bringing up not enough? Not enough. It's a not enough house. No, nah, it's not about them. Like that. It's definitely about them, but not like that. It's not their performance that's lacking. Okay, you ready? I'll give you like a few. I mean, here's one simple one. Uh, unsafe. Insecure is the feeling of unsafe. Yeah. Yeah. Unsafe. Um, let's just call it unsafe. We can even call it insecure because insecure is really unsafe in a way. Now, that kid, listen carefully. We're going with unsafe for now. I just brought up a random example. But now that kid's going with unsafe. What's that kid going to do? Let's say he's now 11, 12, 13. What's that kid going to do to cover up unsafe? Because remember, the doing's always there to fix the being. 
What's the kid going to do so that he never feels unsafe again, yeah? What's he going to do? Very good, very good. So what would be an example for a boy to protect himself? Anyone, do you guys remember growing up and when you were about, I don't know, Yeshiva Tana and Shir Aleph base, maybe even uh, the end of Chayda, that there were already boys who were involved in business, like little transactions? You notice that? There, was some, there were a couple boys, one of them smiling, I have a feeling it was him. So, they're, so they're, they're already involved in some kind of transactions. And you'll find that same boy will be like, you know, you'll see him when he's 20, 30, 40, 50. He's going to be a Gavir, for sure. And, and will he ever feel there's enough? No, he'll never feel there's enough. Now he could be he could be someone who's a big uh, he could be someone who's a big baltstoke, but it all depends what else happened <laughs> over the years. Because there are parents who complain about their throw it. There are parents that complain that there's never enough, and but they're baltstoke. Like there's never enough for us, but we're going to keep giving. So that's going to be a gavir wall. Because he's got enough now; he's protected. He's just going to give. And there are families like that. It's amazing. There are families that mamish don't have enough, but they can't stop giving. And so that'll be a big gavir. If, on the other hand, the parents were, you know, there's not enough for us and not enough for anybody else either. And so the, that might cause another state of being. That more for him is less for me. And so. Okay, listen up. I made a statement that was kind of a strong statement, that the doing will never work, and quite the opposite, it's going to lock in the being. Meaning he'll never get out of the beam. He'll be stuck there forever. Do you hop that now? He's now a workaholic. He's a full-on workaholic. His wife is like a living widow. And he's always out there working. Because he's going to make sure he's safe. Now it's not only he has to be safe, his whole family has to be safe. And his mortgage, and his this, and his that. He can't stop securing the, the fort. He's constantly securing everything. And then, of course, he'll create a whole hashkafa, a whole culture around, you know, so that his wife will understand why we live this way, meaning why they're not able to be together more, and why the, he's not more home often, and he'll create a whole hashkafa. Let's try another one. A girl is made fun of in class as a girl, little girl, that she is ugly. Someone made an ugly comment about her, and she was embarrassed that she's ugly. So now she has this being that she's ugly, which leads to all kinds of feelings, but we're not on feelings now. We're on the being of I am ugly. Or for a boy, maybe he had the similar thing. Maybe he got, he was a, maybe a, a bigger kid, a fatter kid. And also got a, had a feeling like he was ugly compared to the other boys, or fat. Or whatever. Now, the girl who is ugly, what is she going to do to protect herself? With it? she has to, she's going to have to do something. You got to wake up every day and go into class. You got to get to school every day. What is she going to do to protect herself from feeling ugly? What she can do? Yeah. We didn't say she was heavy necessarily. 
Yeah, what's she gonna what's gonna be her cover? So maybe it'll be something to do with diet, but let's say she's younger. I'm, that's what I'm asking. What's what what are potential compensations? Uh, suddenly, like her mother can't figure out why she has this totally separate budget for this one girl for clothes. Like she buys all the girls' clothes, but this one girl's like, I don't like it. You know, and why is this girl never like it? And why does she always, in the end, she makes her buy her individual unique shopping trips. Okay, maybe clothing. What else might be one? Bully? Mm, could be. Could be bully. I wouldn't have thought of that right off. Yeah. Right? Maybe totally unrelated. Mm. She's going to be the star. She's going to be the star. Excellent. That's what I was waiting for. She's going to focus on academics. She's going to be the smart one. And everyone's going to need her, and you'll notice she'll help everyone on their exams. She's going to help everybody. She would even, many of them will even help girls cheat. Now, is it ever going to fix it? Is the, is the rich guy ever going to get fixed by all the workaholism? Is the... Is the quote-unquote ugly girl, because chances are she wasn't ugly at all. It was just a teasing. Is the ugly girl ever going to get fixed by being the smartest kid or the most popular? Does it ever work? So the answer is that it never works, that doing doesn't lead to being. And I want you all to get that right now. I want you to get that. If you heard nothing else in this class, doing does not lead to being. If it's stinginess, so doing helps. If it's overeating, doing helps. If it's oversleeping, doing helps. If it's relaxing, the beach helps. But all the deeper states of being. So what I'd like to do right now is distinguish two types of being. There's, there's shallow, do, shallow being issues, like stingy. And then there's core, core being issues. Like ugly, stupid, incapable, small, weak, worthless, unsafe, doomed, in danger. All of those are a totally separate category of being. And a human being, listen carefully, a human being cannot survive those things without creating an external compensating doing of what they're going to do to make sure they never, ever get exposed again. They will never let that get exposed again. And so what happens is people just wind up doing and doing and doing and doing. Now, I got a question for y'all. 
Have you ever noticed that when you're doing and doing and doing and doing and doing, that it gets exhausting? Anyone notice that? You ever notice doing can make you exhausted? That arbeiten nicht mach frei? Yeah? You ever notice that doing doesn't necessarily lead to being? Meaning doing, all that doing leaves you exhausted? You want to know why? You want to know why we get exhausted from all our doing? It's because, think about it, if you're doing, you've got to generate energy. You are generating energy. Meaning you're putting out. Now, anything putting out has to have a power source. Right? Everything. Right now, this room's got AC on. It's got a power source. It's got lights on. There's a power source. Everything's got to have a power source. You're putting something out. It's got to be coming from somewhere. Now, where's the ultimate place where everything should be coming from so you'll never lose energy? Where should we always be coming from? Hashem. It's my power. But someone who's doing and doing and doing to compensate for some silly being, either because of the dynamics of their home, their sibling order, embarrassing moments at Shabbos tables, uh, teasing in school, a bad rebbe or teacher in school, And now they're doing and doing and doing and doing. Where are they generating from? They're generating from a painful spot that offers no chayas. A very painful spot that offers no chayas. It will drive people. I promise you, I was just driving on the highway right now. I saw some nice cars. I saw some nice SUVs. I saw some nice sports cars. I saw a few Teslas. It will drive. You'll, you'll, you can build an empire off this stuff, but you will be exhausted. It's exhausting. And while half those Teslas and, and, uh, and uh, Lexuses uh, you know, were pulling off their exits, like, I thought they were going to their homes, but maybe they're going to their psychologist. Because does doing lead to being? Doing doesn't lead to being. Doing covers being up. Doing is the cover-up of being. And so what happens is I'm, I have to do, and 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 I have to do, but I'm not generating from anywhere, which means I've got to generate this koach from nothing. And therefore I get exhausted. Everything that I've shared is a stira, a conflict, a contradiction with Yiddishkeit. Everything I just shared about the being... And the doing to cover up that crummy being is a stira to Yiddishkeit. And yet I know many Yidden with gorgeous payas and sniyasamedelach. People who are... I'm telling the stira. The stira is that the being is the neshoma, which is chelak elakami mal. Meaning, this, everything I've just said is a total stira to everything we believe. We wake up every day. I mean, we probably don't pay any attention to it, but we say every day, 
Moidiani, first of all. Shechazartabi nishmosi. We say every day, Lokayin Shumash Masatabi. God doesn't create trash. We create trash. God doesn't create ugly. God doesn't create stupid. You know, every person I've ever met was brilliant. I've never met a stupid person in my life, and I meet a lot of people. I've never met a stupid person. This, like, yeah, it was this year. This year's sukkahs, like, during Elul, we had a new guy in our yeshiva. I teach in a yeshiva in Yerushalayim. Yeah, I thought I met my first stupid person. <laughs> like, this guy might be actually my first stupid person after 27 years of teaching in yeshiva. I met my first stupid guy. What happened? Sukkahs comes. We're building my sukkah. My sukkah seats uh, 500. It seats 100 people, but throughout the week we have about 500 people. And, uh, oh, is that water? Avi, you bring water by any chance? Is that for you or for me? Or for us? Us. In America, you're allowed to drink out of bottles, right? There it's still empty. You can't even hand a bottle to like a dirty-faced, you know, street kid in Bnei Brak, you know, who looks like he hasn't had a shower in a week. <laughs> and you're like, it's like 100 degrees out. He's schwitzing, playing with his friends. And, you know, the tourists come by and they're like, just take this, just please drink. And he's like, I don't have a cup. <laughs> he has dignity. He has tremendous dignity. <laughs> so the state of being that crushes us and has us exerting like ama- amazing amounts of energy to cover it up is a stira with the neshama. It's a stira with our neshama. Oh, I was in the middle of a story. So I thought I met my first stupid person. And uh, now my sukkah, it holds 100 people, but there's one difficult part. Like, building the walls is great. And I have a lot of bachrim holding the walls. It's freestanding. You know, it's big. And it's bigger than my house. <laughs> my sukkah is bigger than my house. So the... Um, but putting the corners together requires a genius. And that genius is my oldest son who's been doing it for years, and he just happens to be incredible with space. So, and he can do it. But my son couldn't come this year. He was busy. I forget what he was doing, but he wasn't able to be there. He comes later when we're like putting in the fourth corner. And he sees this guy lining it up. My son comes up to me and says, I don't know where you found this guy. He's a genius. That was my first stupid person I ever met. Turns out to be a genius. But you get what I'm saying. Each one of us is uniquely brilliant in our own way. And by the way, let me just since I'm on this like kind of random topics, let's say this is like all of the possible genius, like from here, which let's call this the guy who built the sukkah, but like Mamish could not remember a single Mishnah. Yeah? And then you got over here is like scholastic genius over there. But they're all geniuses all the way through. I mean, none of us would be driving cars if it wasn't for this guy over there. You realize that. Like, if you didn't, there's a certain genius that 
created in mechanical engineering. And it was not, I promise you, he was not the kind of kid who was you know, busy reading instead of playing in sandbox. That kid was building things made of sand when he was a little kid. Sorry, over there. And so that's the scope of the genius. Tell me, what, where does our school system put the emphasis? Over here or over here? Over here. So what they do is they put the emphasis right about there, let's say. So anyone who's over there, right? Because you can't overthink your Rebbe or he's going to make you miserable, right? So, so everyone over there is out. And everyone from like here to there are out as well. And so we, we've made what's called smart, this little tiny area that, you know, the likelihood, especially, I mean, if you have 10 kids, you might have one or two fit in that box. You know, so, and then, of course, that's your nachas. We're so cruel. We're so cruel. That, like, one kid, like, won the lottery, but somehow his brain was exactly where the education system is, you know, which is the most limited, you know, possible parameters of genius. And that, that's our nachas. Sometimes I think of like chesed and gevura is that, is that chesed kids, you know, everyone's got a personality. You know, some of us are more flow. You can hear I'm like moving through different subjects now. Am I more structure or am I more flow? What do you say? I'm more gevura or more chesed? Which one? Much more chesed. I, I'll flow. You come to my class in Yerushalayim, it's like 30 classes in one. I handle like 30 topics in one hour because I'm just flowing. And then there's Gavur. Now, you'll notice everyone in this room is either more flow or more structure. Every person. And I can see who's who, by the way. So, <laughs> uh, you can see it a mile away, who's, who's, who's flow and who's structure. So, I mean, sometimes people trick you. What? There's just certain styles of people, like the way they sit and stuff. Like, like uh, <laughs> this guy, this is my flow friend over here. <laughs> he sits flow, this guy in the front. So, Anyway, I'm total flow. And, uh, but when you think about it, structure is the school system, very structured. And the whole, like our Yiddishkeit world, like the, the Hamisha world is extremely structure-oriented. And they're going to be excited about a flow kid going through the system or not excited about a flow kid? Very much not excited. Now think about it. We all come from Avram Avini and Yitzchak Avini. Avamini's chesed, Yitzhak's Avamini's structure, chesed and gevur. So think about when a mama's pregnant and, the, and the, you know, he's on, on the, the men's side of the klesel and she's on the women's side of the klesel, or they're by Kever Ochel, or they're by the Kipri Avalis, or by Rebbe Shimon, where I'm going on Tuesday, going home. Thank God, my wife, we had a miracle. She's like, it's much nicer to fly out of Boston because we're going to be visiting her parents in Massachusetts. So instead of booking through JFK, she booked out of Boston. We didn't realize it was Lagma Omer. Like, we booked this so long ago. We didn't hop that it was Lagma Omer. So we probably couldn't have even gotten a ticket. And then said, oh, okay, we'll stay an extra day in Massachusetts. And then we would have been stuck for Rebbe Shimon. So instead, we're flying out of Boston. It's like the plane's half empty. You know, who in Boston, you know? Anyway, you see, I'm on another subject. Okay. <laughs> One sec. I'll come back to the bomb in a second. We, um, before we get to the bomb, we, we already did the bomb, but I'll, I'll say it again. No, I'm saying like, when you're davening at the Kleisel, the mom is davening, the husband's davening, 
You know, we're saying, he should be a tzaddik, he should be a tzaddik, he should be a good tzaddik, he should be a tzaddik. Yeah? You know what you're really saying? You're really saying, Hashem, please don't give me an Avram Avinu. Please don't give me someone who tests the system. Please give me someone who just keeps his head down. I don't want any phone calls home from my daughter's teachers. Please just give me a Yitzchak. And what we've managed to do with our systems and our structures is we have managed to cause, now I'm going back into our work, is that Avram Avini kids get to find out that they're bad. Another one. We didn't do bad. It's another one. She finds out that she's bad. Bad girl. Bad boy. And you should know that some of the best people you ever met, like the really good people you've ever met, guess what's going on underneath it all? What's the being of someone who's just one of the best people you know? He's just so good, or she's so good. What's underneath it all? What's the being? Bad. Bad, yeah. I mean, we're talking about good Sheba good. Yeah, like today's Hod Sheba, and that's, we're talking about good Sheba good, like the best people you ever meet. Very often, are the doing is they'll do every good thing in the world to cover up bad. It's just, no, there's no bad. They're, they were once told, they were probably Avramavini personalities in her school or in his school. They got shechted by the structure. The structure, the structure of our system, we all think of it as like, I don't know, walls. or It's not walls, it's knives. It's, it's, the, it's pastra, the pastrami blade, you know, the round one. It's just swinging around. It's just spinning. And all it takes is an Avram Avini personality. And think about it. We're trying to hold a structure together that's hundreds of years old. Our chadarim and our girls' schools, are, we're holding this structure. My kids are going to schools in Yerushalayim that are mamish, 250 years old with zero evolution. Zero. My kids are going to full Yerushalmi schools, gold coat schools, you know. I myself, I go in a coffin. I go in gold. My kids are going to, it's 250 year old with, with roast beef slicers on the edge. And it's so cruel because they've got a tati who's mamish. What do you, you know, I'm like the ultimate, like extreme of Avram Avini's style personality. I'm raising, my, I'm raising my kids to ask every possible question. Not about the Gemara. About Yiddishkeit. About, about the system itself. Because if you don't ask questions about the system itself, it rots. The system rots. The reason God created those personalities is to keep the system sharp. To keep the system improving. To keep the system evolving. To keep the system from, from becoming just a broken system that hurts instead of heals, that shuts down instead of educates. So the bomb is that I'm dropping here. 
<laughs> Did you sleep last night? <laughs> you gotta be tired if you fall asleep standing on a chair. <laughs> we had Chazal, you know. There, there are great rabbis who used to stand. My Rosh Hashir of Noach Weinberg used to stand. You want to hear an amazing, amazing story? Is that he, he discovered Torah was true, meaning verifiably true. Not true because, you know, <laughs> I'm talking about he knew it was true because he checked it out. And he went in and, and he was ditching yeshiva in Brooklyn and going to the library. And checking. I'm not suggesting anyone do this, but that's how Rav Noach Weinberg, who created Asia International, that's how he got it. Now, you want to know something amazing? That when he, he, he was about 20 years old, I don't know how old, nah, maybe a little younger, 18, 19. Yeah, about 18 to 20. He found out, oh my gosh, it is true. Like, this is really verifiably, verifiably true. And then he said to himself, wait, if it's verifiably true, and 90% of Yidin are, are fried, are secular. Well, we gotta, we gotta tell them. We gotta let them know, as if they're interested. But we gotta somehow get them involved. So, what do you think he did immediately? You know what he did immediately? Someone take a guess. What he just started once he realized we gotta tell them. What did he do? You, go, you think he went to the secular world to tell them? You know what he did? He grabbed one of the great Tamidei Chachamim of our generation, who was a young man named Rav Chaim Ori Freund, Shlita, who's now one of the Av based in of Yerushalayim. He grabs Rav Chaim Ori Freund, who's a genius, and Rav Noach Weimar was also a genius in learning. And they learned together for 10 years straight, till Rav Noach was about 28 years old. And they learned, when I say 10 years straight, they slept in half-hour intervals, two hours a day. They slept half-hour, two hours a day for all 10 years. And the way that Rav Noach and he would stay awake was they would stand on the edge of tables with their toes hanging off the edge of the table. So if they fall asleep, they're going down. After 10 years of sleeping only a half-hour a day, Rav Chaim Rifroin does your shalmi. He's a real shalmi. He was fine. Rav Noach got sick for two two years. He was sick for two years, and then he started the, the world of outreach that we know today. Amazing. And he was an Avram Avina personality. I remember I was lighting Hanukkah candles outside my house for tour groups, secular tour groups. But one year it was 50 people, and next year it was Hundred, then it was three hundred, then it was a thousand, and my neighbors, my chalmy neighbors, were like screaming out their windows when the groups were Yavanim, Miss Yavnim, Miss Yavnim, you know, kids throwing water balloons, and you know, they, it became like the excitement was like their chance to like let secular Israelis know that they're the Miss Yavnim. You know. I mean, it's a pretty awesome opportunity. If I were a little kid, I would have been for sure throwing water balloons at them. You know, so I, I had a place in my heart for the water balloon throwers. And uh, anyway, but I went in at the end of that Hanukkah when, they, when the neighbors kind of got, uh, you know, it was, it was already a chil Hashem. So I went to Rav Noach Weinberg. I said, Rav Noach, what do I do? Like, I got to reach out. The groups are coming. And on the other hand, 
I live with my neighbors. Like, I got to see them the next day and the next day and the next day and the next day. I don't live with the tour groups. I live with my neighbors. So what am I supposed to do? You know what he says? I was expecting advice. He takes his finger. When Rav North points his finger at you, it was like it was a mile long. Yeah? He was just like, it's your fault. And I'm like, my fault. And he says to me, this is such a classic Rav North Weinberg. He says, how could Yom Tov Glazer live in a community for 15 years and never have influenced his community? The importance of Kirov. This is your little monster because you never influenced your neighbors. You were just, you're like Lot living in Sdaim. Lahavya, obviously. And I took it, I was like, once again, Rav Noach just boom, like nails it. And I, and I went to uh, the following year, a couple weeks before Hanukkah, I took the biggest Rav of the community, who's one of the Neged, the tour groups. And I said, would you mind hosting uh, Kenis amongst all the Tatis about the tour groups? He said, sure, I'll host. Then I took the elderly Rav of the whole community and said, said to him, there's a Kenis going on in uh, Rav so-and-so's house. I'm leaving the names out. Rav so-and-so's house. Would you mind sitting in the Mizrach for this very important discussion about the secular tour groups? He's like, of course, I'll be there. Now, once I had a place, and I had the elderly Rav of our community. So now everyone has to come. So I start going around all the tots. I'm like, yeah, um, Rav so-and-so is going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be a meeting with Rav so-and-so at, at so-and-so's house regarding the tour groups. Turns out all the Tatis had to come. Now, I perfectly sat down on the right of the Mizrach, and I said, why doesn't the Rav begin? And so the, this elderly rub says, you know, it's a big problem. We've got secular groups coming into our shchunas. And, and then it went to the tati, who was next to him, in Mizrah. And then it came all around the table. I'm just writing notes the whole time. Everyone, said if, everyone spoke for about a minute, minute and a half. Gets to me. I spoke for 45 minutes. And I completely destroyed their tightness. And... They have never said a word. This was about 10 years ago. They have never said a word ever since about the tour groups. The opposite. Some of them I've seen actually come out and greet them. Rav Noach. Okay. Um, by the way, we're all here in Shabbos Keratoni. It was Eisha Torah that created what was called the Partners Conference. And then a couple, in this hotel, and then a couple leaders from the part from Aish said, "Hey, we're going to create Project Inspire." Then the possible graduates, a uh, couple of uh, Rabbi uh, Grossman and and uh, and um, whatever the couple of leaders here went to Project Inspire and saw it and said, mm, "We're going to make a Hamish Shabbat." So this is, so it's, a, it's appropriate to be discussing Rav Noach right now, because we're, we're he, really here, and this was his brainchild, really. Okay, the bomb is that we have been doing in order to be causing us to become exhausted, and it never goes away. But rather, what's the right way to do things? The right way is to come to the being, the Shema. Come to the Neshama, to the true being. 
that you are amazing and you are brilliant and you are beautiful and you are handsome and you are strong and you are powerful and you are, you are awesome. Every human being is awesome. Hashem never made anything but awesome. It's just what we've been saying about ourselves that crushes it. And so the way we've set up our lives to protect ourselves from some stupid thing we were teased as or some embarrassing moments at our Shabbos table or from some dynamics in our home. We don't have to do that anymore. We don't have to cover anything up anymore. And the funny thing, the cute thing is that you can keep doing what you're doing. If you got good at something, enjoy. I'll give you an example. I'm a public speaker. That's what I do. Why am I a public speaker? Because I was one of those kids who just couldn't read. I couldn't read. I mean, I knew how to read, but forget it. Like, don't give me a book assignment. I'm never going to read it. And so what I realized, because I can't read, is that I'm dumb. And so the being was dumb. Now, what am I supposed to do? Like, the only way to get smart is you've got to read. But then I hopped that I've noticed everyone who's good at reading is very good at speaking. The people who are good at reading have the best vocabulary, and they're generally the most articulate when they speak. So I said, I can't be smart, but I could definitely gather lots of words. I could just be a word connoisseur. I'll just learn as many words as I can. And I would literally, as a kid, if anyone said a word I didn't understand, I'd say, what was that word, copious? Copious? I said copious? Yeah, you said copious. What is copious? He says it's a, it means very, it means a lot and accurate. <laughs> and so, or it means very exacting. Sorry, copious means exacting. So then I would just say, okay, copious, 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 copious. And anyway, long story short is I'm a public speaker. Now, listen up. Should I, now that I know I am smart, maybe I may not have been smart for the school system, but I am smart. Tell me, should I quit public speaking? Now, do I still have to do it? Now, I have another question for you. There's a deeper question. All the years I was teaching, until I realized that I'm okay, which was 33 years old. I mean, I was teaching in Asia Torah and around the world from 23 to 33, 10 years straight, a decade. Tell me, during those 10 years, did I give a class? Or did I take a class? Meaning, was I giving? Or was I saying, oh, this is going to be another room of people that, will, that, that all feel smart? Okay, fine. Thanks for being, you're very kind. But tell me, how much of a class do you receive when the teacher is taking? How many of us have been in Shirm with the Magid Shir was taking? For his ego, for his, his name, for his... How much do you take? How much do you take when someone's taking when they're supposed to be giving? You get something. Not a lot. I know for a fact. You know why? Because when I discovered that my public speaking was really just that people should think I'm smart, I did not quit public speaking. But what I did start doing is giving. I started to give classes. And how do I know it's true, how much you get? is because the second I started giving, my career went from like that angle to that angle. Because for the first time in my life, I was truly giving as a smart human being. 
Okay, my smarts maybe didn't add up in the structure world. So the cute part of all this, the sweet part of all this, is whatever you got good at doing, that's yours. But now you can do it. Now tell me, tell me, last question, how exhausted do you think I got in those 10 years of traveling the world? I mean, I was really doing it. Travel, I was always in airplanes and flying around, speaking to big audiences. Tell me, did I feel energized the end of the night or exhausted? Exhausted, why? Because the, all that speaking was covering up it was covering up stupid. But once I let go of that mamish kfira, it's kfira, and I let my neshama be the being, and then I started teaching, and then I started working to make money, and then I started being a husband, and then I started being a father. Once I let the being be the neshama, and now I'm giving classes. How'd I feel at the end of the night, no matter how many classes I taught? Exhausted or energized? Energized, because what what's the source of the doing? The, what, the, what I was doing was teaching. What's the source? The, the source is Hashem, who's infusing my neshama, with energy. So I have an infinite energy source. Doing and being, ladies and gentlemen, is the key to success. Or it's the key to being a very wealthy and accomplished failure. Thank you very much. Thank you. Welcome. Question, you can come up to the Mechitze. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.